Well, hey there. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the All Portable Discussion Zone, a bi-weekly live stream all about amateur radio portable ops. My name is Charlie. Call sign is November Julia 7 Victor. And with me this evening is Dan, KC7MSU, one of the co-hosts. And we also have with us, I'd like to introduce our special guest tonight, Heather, AH7RF. So we welcome both of them. Also, a warm welcome to uh, the chat room, everybody in the chat room. Uh, if you are want have a comment or a question, go ahead and leave that in the chat, and we'll try to get it up and, and answer it or respond to it if we have time. Don't forget that this show is converted to a podcast and is available through most podcast players about 24 hours after the show. And finally, if you can, uh, go ahead and become a member and support by clicking on the join link below or visiting the Patreon page, which gives you exclusive access and perks, including the opportunity to interact with our guests tonight for a few minutes after the show and other things that are uh, really beneficial. So uh, first, let's get caught up then and see what's been going on the last little bit. Uh, last few weeks for everybody in the room. Um, let me go ahead and start with Dan, if that's all right with you, Dan. Sure. Let's see, I've just been uh, kind of getting things unpacked in my uh, new QTH, and uh, so I haven't got an antenna put up yet, but I did find my uh, KX3, so I'm a happy camper, so that's no longer uh, lost. Um, <laughs> you lost your KX3. So yeah, I couldn't find it. It was in uh, not in the right box, so that took uh, took a little bit of time to find that. So now, uh, just getting ready to uh, hit the trails here. So just uh, recently got a new GoPro, so um, couldn't find that either. So hopefully my my old one was uh, like a version five. So this will be a big step up for me. That's so cool. I'm looking forward to getting out, hitting the hills, and uh, finally uh, putting up some some videos here soon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for me, I have been up to mostly Morse code stuff. I went ahead and um, let me switch the screen here real quick. I have borrowed a Bencher or a Vibroplex bug so I can start learning how to use those. That'll be fun. And I also, uh, at our last Hamfest in December, I got this, uh, this uh, uh, oscillator that I can use with the bug to, to help me practice a little bit. Of course, you can do that with your radio but um if you have a keyer in there or whatnot but i went ahead and and uh, i like this it's better to just uh, use that so i've been doing that and lately i've been putting out a lot of shorts on just different things or youtube shorts so i'm just kind of stuff i'm hanging out with with the uh, morse code and and learning morse code and, and trying all this new equipment so it's been pretty fun haven't been out lately i do plan to do a parks on the air i think this coming weekend um and then a soda as well coming up as well pretty soon and then um, I had a guest over, uh, what was it, a couple of days ago, a friend of mine who had a whole bunch of testing equipment. And I, I made a previous video about um, uh, filters for two meters. And I, uh, this is a follow-up to that. We're testing all these filters. We, we, got it. we got them on the spectrum and we're looking at them and seeing what they're like. So that video should come out pretty soon. So that's it for me. Let's go ahead and see what Heather has to say. Oh, great. Hi, everyone. Uh, so a couple of things, I guess. I got a GoPro last week, so I've been playing with that and trying to document all my crazy stuff that I do. I haven't done that before. Um, yesterday, what I did is I hiked up about four miles up to about 1,700 feet uh, with my husband. And once a month on the Mauna Kea repeater, they have a test, and that's like 185 miles away. And it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of goofy to get it from here. So, of course, that's what I did. So 
we messed up the radio settings and I managed to get into the Bonacare repeater with half a watt. I got some very nice. interesting comments from that. It was it was awesome. Um, and then prior to that, two weeks ago, I was on Lanai. Uh, it's one of the islands here. And I, it's only my second time to be there. And I was there helping one of the school teachers with um, a ham radio contact. They, they had a scheduled contact with the International Space Station for the, her class to talk to the astronaut, one of the astronauts up there. And so I helped with that. And then in my spare time, I borrowed her mountain bike and went eight miles uphill and activated the summit on Lanai on, on CW and wow. uh, two meters. So that was, that's what I've been up to the past couple of weeks. Wow. Has that, had that one been activated before? Yes. By me in December. <laughs> no <laughs> other. Uh, wow. So, that's amazing. That's awesome. And it's not one that's going to be activated anytime soon, I think, because it's not a day trip and it's, really hard to spend the night over on Lanai. The hotels are very expensive. When I looked, it was like $2,000 a night. I didn't oh, even, why? I, I stayed with the teacher. So yeah. it's, it's going to be really hard for someone else to do it. If, if there's a local ham that lives there, they could do it. But I don't, I don't think there's too many hams over there. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Heather, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, we want to go ahead and dive into some of these questions we have for you. And again, a reminder, if you guys have a uh, comment or question you want to ask uh, or put up there for Heather, then go ahead and do that. Uh, I guess right here, Soda, I never realized I was a, I was starting a physical fitness program, <laughs> Nick says. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. So I guess let's start with uh, where you're from originally and kind of give us a little background about you. Okay. So um, I'm originally from Texas. I was born in Houston, Texas, and then uh, when I was about eight, uh, my parents divorced, and then half the time I was in Houston, half the time I was in Austin. So I, I grew up in that area, basically. And then uh, when I graduated high school, I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I had no idea what I wanted to be, so I ended up doing a degree in physics. Still have no idea what I wanted to do. So I ended up going to grad school at the University of Michigan because, I don't know, it seemed like it seemed like a better alternative than figuring out what I wanted to do and finding a job was to go to grad school for some reason. <laughs> so <laughs> I did that and I got my PhD in physics studying gamma ray bursts. And this was um, working on some small robotic telescopes plus a telescope on Maui and the telescope on Maui. That was like, Maui was amazing. So I'm like, Hey, I should try to pick like a really cool place to live for where I go next. So I was completely focused on ending up in Hawaii. All the postdocs I applied to were just in Hawaii. I just wanted to be in Hawaii. And then in 2009, uh, when I graduated, I got a job working for the PanStars telescope and it was based on Oahu. So I've been in Hawaii since then pretty much. Okay, cool. So you can, that's a little bit about your career. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you're working with the telescopes and the whole as astronomy stuff? What, what do you, what, what's kind of a day in the life of, of I mean, there's a lot of math. Is it a lot of looking through a, co a telescope? What's going on there? Um, yeah, a lot of math, a lot of computer programming, actually. Um, not any looking through a telescope. So like those pictures that you see of people looking through an eyepiece on a telescope, uh, we don't even have eyepieces for you to look through the big telescopes like that. It's all uh, remote. It's all data is taken up at the summit, transferred through the internet to uh, my office, either in Honolulu or now in Kamaloela on Big Island. And yeah, I 
never, I've never looked through an eyepiece with the telescope. There you go. Up there. That's this, that's modern astronomy for you, I guess, huh? Yeah. You don't look through them. You just kind of and, and pr computer programming. You said to what? What language is it? Is it something we know or is uh, something? Sure. So, I guess I started in C and Perl, and then uh, using MySQL for the database stuff. And I guess I'm using some Python now. Uh, but I'm I'm an old school Linux hacker, so I don't know. <laughs> I still use a lot of C and Bash scripts for things you shouldn't. Yep, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, anything else about your career you want to share with us before we move on to kind of some of the other stuff going on in your life? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not your typical astronomer because I have a background in physics. I think most astronomers are just astronomers. Um, I've always loved taking things apart and building things and playing with computers. So, like, that's always been my strength as a doing astronomy is. The, the computer programming background and the taking everything apart background. Very cool. Dan, do you have anything else to add or to ask? Well, I was just curious. Uh, so I, I would imagine that um, most of your observing is via, you know, since it's remote, it's all CCD camera or did do you use other types of uh, uh, input as well? Good question. Most of the time it's with a CCD camera, but it's an array of chips. So the current one that uh, I help with is the Mega Prime camera. It's like uh, 40 CCD chips all like combined together. It's about the size of a medium pizza and it's oh. uh, like 700 megapixels. And uh, prior to that, the camera that I was using on Panstars, that's a survey telescope. So I wasn't choosing the observations, but that was a 1.4 gigapixel camera. It had 60 um, orthogonal transfer arrays. And yeah, that's, <laughs> I get to play with big cameras. That's kind of my specialty is data pipelines for managing large amounts of pixels and large amounts of data. So I would imagine that there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, imaging, correction and things like that that's needed to be done or not really oh that that's absolutely true uh especially for the pan stars orthogonal transfer array it was kind of an experimental design so there's all kinds of uh noise and other artifacts that are new it's the first time they were using that chip and so you have to learn how to correct for those and it's it, it was a very complicated process it was i was part of a team that was figuring out how to clean up that data make it usable for all interesting cool um so in the astronomy world there was a huge discovery that was made recently and i i, I wanted to know what you knew about uh comet fluiling <laughs> oh my comet uh yeah so that was when i was working for atlas it's a small robotic a set of small robotic telescopes and we were chasing um trying to find near-earth asteroids i had the coolest job title I was a planetary defense researcher. <laughs> that is cool. Basically, <laughs> I'm looking for asteroids. Uh, so we were funded by the Planetary Defense Coordination Office. That's a real thing. Um, and as part of the pipeline, when you're trying to find new moving objects, you will find a new comet. And we had a rule in the group where if you found a new comet and you didn't already have one named after you, you could submit it with to have your name. It, it was either going to be my name or the name of the observatory. So everyone in the group had uh, their last name as a comment. 
mine was kind That's of cool. funny. Um, it happened right about the same time I became a ham. So I'm on the repeaters every night talking about my comment to my friends. And then that got picked up. Uh, one of the hams wrote a, a blog post about it, which got a little bit viral. So um, I was in the local newspapers and then the ARRL picked it up and like, <laughs> I'm in QST because of it. Yeah. And, what, uh, when, yeah, that what was are, pretty great. What, what edition of QST was it? Uh, May or remember? June 2020, I think. Okay. So yeah, I might have, have to go look that out. May or June of 2020, I have to go go check it out. And, and it has it. the best picture of me ever. I'm standing on top of my car with an antenna. <laughs> That's pretty. <funny. laughs> That's cool. great. I was trying to make some simplex contacts, of course. So I had to, I wanted some extra height. <laughs> All right, we got a question here from uh, one of our good friends, Jim. Um, he says, Heather, any plans to do any EME from the islands and what is your noise level like there? Okay. So, uh, the EME question, one of my friends is starting to get into that. So I, I'm going to see what he's up to first and then I'll see what I do with that. It sounds interesting. It sounds like fun. Um, and the noise level, well, this is a nice complicated answer. So here at my QTH in my condo, it's awful, just completely awful. I am not very far from the FM transmitters. It causes mixing in my KX2. And I don't even hear FT8. It's just, I hear the radio station in the background. It's awful. So I don't operate from here. I've, I've given it up. Um, well, with the exception of 40 meters and magnet wire down my, my lanai, that works okay at night. Um, and then when I'm on Big Island, I split my time between Oahu and Big Island. Uh, so my husband, He's off grid. He has solar panels and solar inverters. And those things are incredibly noisy. We have a really bad ground there. We're still trying to figure this out. And so usually my noise level on 40 meters is like S6 or S7. And then on 20 meters, it's not too bad, but it's very spiky. There's all these spikes every 20 kilohertz or something. It's 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 not any fun. So when I'm over there, I'm also portable, but I have a antenna as far away from the inverters as I can manage and Good then I'm idea. outside. Yeah. And then uh, even when I'm portable over here, depending on where I am, uh, there's intermod that I pick up from uh, one of the towers. It's got two AM stations that mix. Um, and when I hike up, there's also, yeah, the, I'm too close to the FM transmitters. Basically, there's a lot of RFI here and uh, I kind of work around it sometimes, not always, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's let's talk about uh, how you got into ham radio. You didn't just like like s decide to do it. There's how'd you find out about it? Or did, have you known about it all your life? And then how did you get into it? Um, I kind of knew about it. So yeah. when I was a kid, um, I had a TV in my room, and, and my mom made me get a TV. Um, and of course I didn't want to watch TV. So I figured out how to make an antenna in my room. I was in Austin at the time. I figured out how to make an antenna so I could pick up like the TV stations in Houston. And I was figuring out that it only happened like at night when like, it was kind of cloudy. <laughs> I was like, uh -huh. I was figuring this stuff out when I was like 14 or 15 or something. Um, I, I didn't know about ham radio. I didn't. No one around me does it. Um, and then when I was in college, I think was the first time I heard about it. Okay. And I'll be honest, every time I looked it up on the web pages, the web pages looked dead. So I just yeah. didn't think it was a hobby. You, and then like you, you look at the dead. price of the radios, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to gamble on that. I don't want to. 
buy a thousand dollar radio just to find out no one does this. Right. And so what happened was uh, you have uh, you have Adafruit to for getting me into ham. Uh, I signed up for one of those Adafruit boxes. Yeah. And they sent an SDR radio, like little thing you plug into the computer. And I distinctly remember telling my husband, like, oh, cool. I'll go open this Ada box. I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and it was like, you know, uh -huh. six o'clock in the evening. And then I hooked it up and I stumbled across the evening net, 730. So I heard people um, talking about where they're located. I'm like, oh, I'm in Makiki. I have no traffic. And I'm like looking out the window. I'm like, I see traffic. What is this traffic? So... <laughs> I basically stumbled onto the the two meter net at like seven thirty and was hearing a whole bunch of hams. I'm like, this is really cool. Hey, it's not dead. Cool. So then, I, I think it was about two weeks after that I got licensed because uh, that was the soonest exam I could get into. <laughs> so how'd the exam go? Did you uh, did you uh, run through just the technician or did you do do more than that? I just did the technician first and then uh, waited until the next available exam for the general did that one and then waited for the next one and did extra. I'm not sure why I did it that way. Um, you probably could have run through them all at once, huh? Yeah, probably. And the first time or when they met me, when I did the general, they, they asked me because they knew I just gotten licensed. They're like, how did you, how did you get a perfect score on the general? And I'm like, I cheated. I have a background in physics. <laughs> it's like the hard <laughs> part was the FCC regulations, not any of the physics or the math. It was trying to memorize all the FCC stuff. I was, I was, not good at that. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no rhyme or reason to that part of it at all. Well, I think there is. It's to make sure you don't do weird, bad things on the radio. You got to know what the rules are. Very true. Yep. Okay, so what did what have you up to? Let's see. So when you got first into ham radio, you were you doing just uh, tell us kind of how you progressed because at some point you know, you landed on, hey, portable ops and, and all this other great stuff that we'd like to talk about. So so how did you get to that point? Did, did you just go right into it or was there a kind of a progression? Um, okay, so I started off with everyone's first radio, the, the Bao thing, because um, it was $22 and it was pretty active. Uh, and then I got tired of the repeaters. And then I started exploring, well, what can you do with this? So I've always liked hiking. So I was probably accidentally activating Coco Crater as a summit well before I knew it was a thing you could do. Um, so I would just go up, hike, and then chill out there and chat with, I would start on the repeaters and get people to meet me on Simplex. And I did this um, in Makiki as well. Like that's, that's one of the parks on the air. I didn't know that until like last year. So um, that's what I was doing at first. And then people were telling me things like, oh, you need to get a better radio. You need to get a better radio. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know about that. So uh, I I was told you need a better radio if you're going to download SSTV stuff from the space station. So, of course, I'm like, no, I'm going to do it with my handheld. And I did and posted on the Hawaii Facebook groups <laughs> radio where the people are like, what is she doing? Um, and then I had a, a few friends that lived not far from me, like half a mile. I could, I could see their building. And so we were doing a... SSTV and FTA and other strange things, just whatever we could think of with, with two meters. Um, so I was basically trying to exhaust everything I could do in two meters because HF was going to be hard and expensive. I knew, I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't know about my noise problem yet, but I knew from the other hands that lived in Honolulu in a condo, they're all portable. So I knew it was going to be really hard for me to, to figure all those things out. 
And so I had just started getting into HF right when the pandemic started and then kind of for various reasons had to stop for like radio and other things for a while. Um, but I've always been interested in hiking up high and crazy things with bicycles and whatever, like I'm always outside. So discovering you could combine ham radio on top of that, that was just like a bonus. Oh, sure. I'm you, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. What are some of your most memorable, uh, activations? Let's start diving into some of the things that you've done, uh, that you've really liked that you, you kind of have some pride in do, in uh, accomplishing. Okay. Um, let's see. So I think like the best one, the, the earliest one I did was, um, we have like a, the monthly Mauna Kea repeater test at noon and not a whole lot of hams on Oahu were checking in because Oahu is far from Big Island. And all of them said, you got to go up here, Mariner's Ridge, you got to have 50 watts and a mobile rig and a good antenna. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not true. So, uh, you know, I, I looked it up on, um, I looked up the height of Cocoa Crater. I looked up the height of Mauna Kea and I was like doing the math to see if, if, if it should work up there. And um, so it, it, it looked like it should work. So at the time, I don't even think I had other antennas. I think I just had the stock rubber ducky and I hiked up there. And with the, with the bowfang. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, I checked in and the net control is very confused. So he, he wants your name, he wants your call sign, your name and your location. And I gave that now I'm a new ham. So he doesn't know who I am. And then he's like, where are you located? And I'm like, Coco crater. It's on Oahu. <laughs> he's like, really Oahu. And he's like, what's your radio? And I'm like, Balfang Rubber Ducky five watts. And he was like, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little famous for doing those crazy things. Uh, I don't know if other people who've done it with a handheld prior to me. I'm sure it's happened. Maybe they didn't say anything. I don't know. Yeah. Do you know how, how far that is exactly? It's about 185 miles. That is a good haul for two meters for sure. You know. Yep. I know. Great. And I get into that repeater full quieting and loud. Yeah. With the bowfang, no less. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So I, I understand that you, you took on a challenge with the bowfangs. Do you want to tell a little bit about that? You, you kind of wrote something up. Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, it was a challenge of, I didn't want to spend any money yet. And I basically did everything I could think of with the bowfangs. So all the, I did a number of soda activations. Uh, there's several easy to access summits up here. We did some summit to summits with some other hams. Um, I did Winlink. Uh, I built a cable. Um, I was one of the beta testers for Vara FM. I have zero interest in Winlink, by the way. I just like the challenge of <laughs> what can you do with this stuff? So like when the developer found out I was doing a bow thing, he was like, what are you doing? Just, we don't support that. But I was doing weird things. So the, uh, Gateway at the time was like half a mile from my house. I could see it. And I wanted to see what would happen if it was like a weak signal. So I was like moving at the about thing and deeper and deeper in my my apartment to figure out where it was like, like attenuated, but just could barely get in. And so I was like, eventually it was in my dryer. Uh, <laughs> that, that attenuated <laughs> it enough. Oh, and then um, I did burn up one doing Winlink uh, oh, here yeah. to here. And then I took it apart and fixed it. 
with everyone saying it's a $22 radio, it's not worth your time. I'm like, oh, it's definitely worth my time for this. I got it working again. It's it's still a little scrambled. Like, uh, I need to, I don't know if I need to fix it again or not. I don't know if I want to fix it again or not. Uh, it was working until last year, and then the, the transmit button stopped working. But you can still listen. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else have I done? So then you, you so you started out doing Parks on the Air with with the Bofang before you knew it was Parks on the Air. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My my favorite hike is uh, the K2222 Park. Like, I don't remember the name of it. It's a mile from my place. I walk up there yeah. all the time. Yeah, I had then, no idea until last year. Yeah. And then you also do summits on the air. Uh, uh, yeah, I took a break like during the pandemic, but yeah, <laughs> started. But so you've done right. And um, that was with the Bofang as well. So two meters for both of those initially. And mm -hmm. then and then at some point you, you got involved in you decided to go HF. What how'd that happen? Uh, so I had like um, what happened was I someone gave me an HF rig from a silent key and it was a mobile rig and I had just gotten my first antenna for that. And then the pandemic started and um, I ended up on Big Island. Sorry. I ended up on Big Island uh, for like two and a half months with no radio, with no HF radio. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, Sadiq lives in a, in a gulch. So I, have to, I had to hike up high to like the stop sign in order just to get into the repeaters. So I was kind of like lonely and isolated from all my ham radio friends. Uh -huh. uh, a couple of hams in Volcano area, uh, Ocean View, uh, lent me or gave me a G5RV and this really old Kenwood rig that uh, I actually can't run because we're off grid. It's, it consumes too much power. But that got me on HF just kind of. So we didn't know what we were doing. The G5RV was about eight feet off the ground, so I could make local contacts real good. And then I didn't know about the noise. So it, it was I was only making local contacts with Hawaii hams at that point, but that was okay. Yeah. Um, and then I was traveling a lot to Texas to take care of my dad. And then after that, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I had like a portable radio? Cause I already want one to do like summits. That would be cool with HF. So that was kind of in my head of, I want a portable radio for my actual real HF radio that I can carry with me everywhere. And then I ordered it from Ellacraft. I got a KX2, but it, it took their back ordered. So it took a while to get to me, Right, yeah, but well yeah. worth it. Cool. So then, so then you started uh, using the, so what, is that what your gear is right now? Tell us about what you operate, how you usually operate when you go portable. Yeah. Uh, KX2. And I have like a CW Morse paddle, like the little 3D printed one. Um, and depends on where I am uh, or what I want to do. So if it's raining like today, I'm not going to hike. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll use the Hustler antenna on top of my car. It makes my car look like an RC car, like remote control. Right. Yeah. Um, it's cool. yeah. And what I do is I go to Alamoana Beach Park. Um, it's like a peninsula. And so you're surrounded on three sides by salt water. And I'm pretty sure it's kind of brackish underneath. So like you're, you're kind of like really good for uh, HF over there. I've, I've made like really awesome contacts over there. Is that so, on Maui? Nope. That's I'm, on I mean, Oahu. Oahu. Yeah. Oahu. North, north uh, east. Uh, it's uh, like a mile and a half for me. It's uh, it's on the South Shore. South Shore, okay. Middle of Honolulu, kind of. Okay, okay. Um, so that's if I use my car. Otherwise, um, I, I might drive my car to a park and set up with my friend, or I'll go hike and set up in the forest. That's yeah. on Oahu. 
And I do it about the same on Big Island. It's just outside of the house, away from the inverters. So how into Parks on the Air are you? Do you do you uh, try to, I mean, cer there's certain levels of participation. From Some people are like, you know, I got to do every park and tour the country and all that. And some people are like, oh, this is a park. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, yeah. The, I'm the, oh, this is a park. And I've only recently figured out that, hey, it's a park. If I announce it and I get picked up by the skimmers, people will work me. Yeah. So I finally figured that out. So you've been working pileups more now then? I've gotten some baby pileup. It's kind of fun. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, tell us what your furthest contact is and, and what, what some of the, your best contacts have been uh, when yep. you've been operating portable. And especially you're operating five watts, right? Or is it, or do you do 10? No, just five. Five watts. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I think it started, I was just going to stick with five because uh, when you um, put your score on 3830 for the CWTs, they have like the QRP category. Right. And then I don't feel so bad if I only make one contact, if I'm like one of five people who are operating QRP. So <laughs> that's yeah. one thing we'll, I do. We'll get to CW ops in a minute too. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. So um, my best, my most amusing, impressive contact was uh, in October so I was on El Moana Beach Park. Now, mind you, I'm still very new at like making HF contacts. I don't have good ears for like telling when something is really far away or nearby or anything like that. Because I just don't have the experience. So I turned on my radio. I was going to do the CWT. And I hear someone sending a bunch of Vs. I'm like, okay. And then they started sending like this SM6 call sign. And I'm like, huh, okay. I don't know what that is. I assumed it was Samoa because I don't know. I don't know my prefix prefixes, right? And... They sounded kind of funny. I couldn't quite figure out why. So I was just like, oh, well, they sound kind of weird and wavy. And maybe their transmitter's bad. I don't know. So I was just like, well, who knows what it's like in Samoa? That's what I thought. And so um, when the CWT starts, he changes his call sign. Like, because he was just his call sign. I guess he has like a contest call sign or something. Okay. And so I, I got him. I got him before he got picked up by the skimmers. <laughs> Because I was already there. Because I happened to have turned on the radio right where he was. And so I worked him and, you know, we exchanged our information. And then I didn't think to look it up because it's kind of frantic that hour. And then I got home and I looked up his call sign and I was like, whoa, Sweden. I had no idea. Oh, oh <laughs> how, far is, my how far is Sweden from, from uh, Hawaii? Do you know? I don't know. So someone told me it's shorter if it goes over the pole, which is what happened. Um, but it's basically like 12 time zones away. <laughs> yeah. Can't get, nice. Congratulations. Can't get That's a nice farther. contact. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think I'd worked more than a couple of other countries by that point. Yeah. Which, so, what's your typical DX contact that, that you do get, though? Because, I mean, you're being in Hawaii, you're kind of in a, in a unique place to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, usually it's, um, well, California and Oregon and Washington. Um, and then, Australia and Japan usually. And then if, if I hear New Zealand, they're pretty easy too, but they're not as active in those contests that I'd like to play in. Okay. So um, let's see. So you you have a, your favorite spot you like to go to, which is that uh, park, whatever it's called. Uh, it's, it's kind of not a great spot for radio for so many reasons, but I, it was well, my favorite spot before I was a ham. Yeah. <laughs> And then you uh, have, have done some other stuff, uh, some other parks, and then you've also done some other soda. What's what's your favorite soda activation you've ever done? Oh, without a doubt, Lanai. The one on Lanai. Yeah. So muddy and 
it was just so awesome to get up there. And it was so much fun going down on mountain bike. Have you done uh, uh, the one the, the the volcano on um, Maui? Haleakala. Yes. yes. Before I knew it was a soda. Yeah, I've done that one. I've actually done I've done uh, Haleakala and uh, Diamond Head. Diamond Head was dumb. <laughs> Why was it so, dumb? So busy. I, oh, I, I know. I, I know. I set up I HF oh. on there, and people were like you know, walking under and over my wire and everything. It was, I shouldn't have done it. It's, so that's why I don't like um, the really popular soda activation places here because there's just so many people and then they ask so many questions and they interrupt you when you're in the middle of like a QSO and it's just disruptive. Um, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I, I was a new ham when I was on Haleakala for work. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I made a call to the repeater and I got my friend. I'm like, Hey, you want to try Simplex? And so we did. <laughs> so That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know it was a soda. Yeah. Well, is, is, is it really difficult though to find a, a summit somewhere that uh, is, it isn't covered with a lot of people, a lot of tourists and stuff. I mean, even a, like a park, I mean, I would imagine it's gotta be kind of tough to find a, a quiet place where there really aren't a lot of tourists. Well, that's why I hike off on the side on this trail where I'm not supposed to go. <laughs> it's it's kind of a well, like I see other people and dogs walking through there. It's it's not completely crazy, but it's quiet and there's not as many interruptions. But yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people just go to the Outlook where the parking is to activate uh, the, the K2222 park. And I don't understand. It's like there's a lot of noise from the cars and it's busy. Like I that's not not a not a place I would want to activate from like, and the park is big. You can hike around other places where it's uh, less crowded. Yeah. We, we typically don't have much of a problem with that in Arizona. Most it's very seldom that I ever run into anybody in most of the mountains and stuff. So it's gotta be kind of a unique experience with that many people all the time. Well, yeah. Diamond head, especially everyone, every tourist wants to see diamond head. Yeah. So they all hike up and you see people hiking up in high heels and other inappropriate footwear. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> I mean, and Diamond Head, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's a nice view and it's an interesting hike. But I mean, it's it's not like there are much more beautiful places in Hawaii than that. So, yeah, but a lot of the trails don't get you to like the a summits. View. A lot of the summits yeah. are, are hard to get to. It's true. Other yeah. than the really easy ones. Right. Like like Haleakala. Which is just drive to the top, right? <laughs> cool. All right. Let's see. So, um, <clears throat> your favorite radio then at this point is probably the KX2. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, your favorite? Do you your favorite uh, antenna is what? Oh, uh, whichever one is working for me at the moment. You, so you make your own antennas. I do. Okay, good for you. So, so what's uh, what's uh, you, what are you what are you using right now? Um, right now it's, well, it's not one I made. It's, um, the, the VHF club I'm a part of, they have an NFED that they sell. And so I use the NFED, uh, and then I use one of the soda beams, 30 foot poles to raise the, the wire, or I use a tree. And okay. if I use a tree, then I use like, um, the arborist line and a throw weight to get things up. Yeah. I'm not good at throwing though. Yeah, I, I'm not either. I, it takes me more time to throw than it does to actually work this, the actual activation. Yes. Not good at this. I, I'm not either. So let's. You think all the practice, I'd get better, but nope. <laughs> nope. Tell me your your club website name. What's where? Uh, where can we find the club website? I want to look at the antenna while we're live here and, and okay. Uh, give you, and so promote it a little bit. it's 
E-A-R-C, Emergency Amateur Radio Club. I think it has an H-I in there, too. Uh, E-A-R-C-H-I, I think. Okay. Um, and then, what, let's see, would it be Hawaii? Do you want to share it, Dan? I can't. I didn't bring it up yet here. Oh, wait. There it is. Yeah. E-A-R-C. So let me let me push this up here for everybody yep. to see. D-H-I.org. Um, is that it right there? Yeah. See? See okay. what I mean about web pages looking like from 1995? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the All webmasters. Right. I need to help fix it. <laughs> so where do you where can we uh buy one of these antennas if we want? Or can um, we? let's see. Yeah, you can. So scroll down and then on the left side uh oh, should have group? something about the antennas somewhere. Where is it? Yeah, go back down. I'm back I think, down here. Uh, yeah, Infed HF group. Matchbox Antenna. Not it's on the left side. On it's, the it's left? a terrible oh, design. Sorry uh up a little more up a little more right here there. yeah all right let's take a look at it so all right so yeah you can buy right here and is this a look does this a look at it let's see if it is uh, no that's the design right how to make it or the well a, yeah so they have information about it so just right above the orange that should be a pdf yeah. that shows what it looks like it's it's a good antenna it's what i use and i have yeah. other friends that use it as well Good. Yeah. So oh, assembly instructions. Yeah. And this is a tape measure one. So good. Good for you guys. So if people are interested in that NFIT half wave, it looks like it's $56. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So six through 40. Good. Very cool. All right. So uh, support is not crazy. I see the question on there. It's included. <laughs> oh, well, this is this hit it here. <laughs> yeah, it's not crazy. Uh, if you if you ship it in the USPS priority mail, it's the same as any other state. It just has it? to fit in that box. Yep. Okay. Well, that's that's good. So yeah, uh, support uh, emergency amateur radio by uh, uh, grabbing one of those antennas. It might be kind of fun. So cool. Okay, so let's talk about Morse code for a little bit. Um, you learned Morse code at some point. When was that? Um, started in february of 2021 my friend um kept bullying me into signing up and then my other friend who's one of the advisors is like you're taking my class aren't you and i was like well okay i guess i'll take it <laughs> i don't know why i was dragging my feet um, so what what class yeah. are we talking about this was beginner where you learn the letters beginner for uh cw ops mm -hmm. Be okay. beginner cw academy you learn the letters okay and how did that go for you? Complicated. So two weeks into starting the class, um, I went to Texas, which I thought was going to be a two-week trip to take care of my dad. So the entire time I was in Texas taking care of my dad, I was learning CW at midnight. That's when the class was. And, and, and so can I just real quick, how were you learning it? What, what tools were you using? Um, let's see. There's this web page where you just go over and over and practice learning the letters and like very basic words. Do you remember you... what it was called? Oh. So learn CW online by no, chance? No, not that or... one. Not that not one. That one. Uh, it's somewhere in the academy documentation. Oh, um, okay. So I, uh, yeah. Oh, I know which one. Yeah. So let me pause real quick and, uh, um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll try to find it just because I know there are going to be people who, who are interested and will want to know, I think it works. The Academy works. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, so they do a great job. 
So let's see. CW. Oh, yeah, I think Morse Code World. I think that one. The one in the Morse comments. Code World? Yeah, I think so. Morse yeah, the one right below the World. CW. Yeah, that. Let's hear. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, uh, my good friend, uh, uh, he, he came up with this. We've had him on the show. This is a great, really good website. Yeah. Yeah, so it has the CW Ops beginner lessons in there. And you just uh -huh. practice over and 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 yep. over. And, and, and over. they've been adding a lot of new features to that site over the last like six months. They've added a lot of nice new features to it. So, yeah, I haven't really looked in the past six months. To be honest. Yeah. So, so but you it were was perfect. I needed exactly that when I was getting started. Yeah. So when you got started, you were in, in Texas and you were like yeah. late at night, you were using this website over and over and over again. So then what? Um, then I took a break from everything cause I had to take a break from everything. Um, and then, um, I got back, uh, I signed up for the second class, the basic class fundamental. I, guess, I think they call it fundamental now. And that started in January of 2022. Okay. And, and how did that go for you that you were able to kind of uh, raise, raise your uh, skill level up? Oh, that class was fun. And then what happened was like halfway through that class, um, I killed my car. And so my way of getting on the air was I have like, you know, a mobile rig and then go out to the beach park and operate. And then I killed my car. So okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't drive. So, yeah. and I'm a, a weird, stubborn person when it comes to this. So it wasn't until September that I had a car again because I, I was figuring it out. I, it's Honolulu. I can walk everywhere. So I, they want you to make on-the-air contacts. Can't do that without a car. So um, I lucked out. One of my friends, uh, like my rig. Can Just do... for clarification for somebody who might be dropping in late. The reason you can't do that with a, without a car is specific to Heather because of the RFI. She has to get away yeah. from the RFI. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And, and I have to, yeah, just. So. One of my friends has a two meter rig that can do CW. My mobile rig could do that too. So, and he was within simplex distance of me. So we had a bunch of skeds on two meters with CW. That's how I was getting a uh, practice. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's great. I mean, to, uh, I've done that before as well. I, I didn't realize that you could do uh, Morse code on two meters. I don't know why I didn't notice that. Well, but, it's I mean, one of those all band, all mode radios. Right. It is. I just didn't even notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. that's what I was doing. <laughs> cool. And and now what do you do with the CW Ops? Are you, are you, did you finish? Did you finish, finish the advanced class, or, or where are you at yeah. with CW Ops right now? I so after that, then I took um, intermediate, and then I took advanced, and I graduated last November, and then uh, wanted to help give back, so I offered with my advanced ad advisor that I would help co-advise. He he likes lots of co-advisors, so it's no trouble. So that's what I'm doing now with CW Ops is I'm one of the co-advisors for one of the advisors. Co-advisors. Cool. That's great. That's great. Uh, how do you, how do you, so what's your contribution there? Do you, you just kind of, do, do you do break-offs at all? Or you just kind of, I know in my class, my advanced class, my advisor had a friend of his that was there too. And they, they just kind of joined in with everything and, and kind of participated, right? Is that kind of what you do? Uh, yeah. So we have like a, um, we have like an extra hour of practice with the co-advisors and the students. And I usually make up goofy little games to make it fun for the students to interact with the CW. 
And then um, also meeting up with them um, at other times. Uh, some of them have trouble like making contacts on the air for different antenna reasons or whatever. And so happy to like make a contact with them like over Zoom as practice, just one-on-one. Cool. That's all good stuff. That's great. So um, what's your favorite Morse code paddle? What are you using right now? The 3D printed one. Um, yeah. It's good. not great. <laughs> where did you find the plans for it? Uh, online, and I paid for it, and I it, it was already made. And um, well, it's... it might be one that I've used before. I, I love them. So let's see what you, let's see what you got. Hang on. So most important is I'm cheap. So <laughs> that's great. Oh, look at that. Awesome. Yeah. And so that looks I have, like a CW Morris, right? Yep. It's CW Morris and it has been played with so many times. It needs tape to hold it together. Good for you. Yeah. That's great. Cause I just like fidgeting and pulling it that's apart. A, that's a sign of a great ham radio operator when there's, there's band-aids and duct tape, man. <laughs> Good for you. So I so have that's, much experience with other paddles. Just you haven't really used more than just that one, huh? Pretty much. Cool. That's that's quite all right. That's that'll work. That I understand why you have that one and not like something like this, right? Because oh yeah, I'm not taking that on a hike. You're not gonna take that out portable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this if I destroy it, I don't care. I'll get another one. Yeah. Um. Cool. So so what are you? What are you? Uh, what's your favorite thing about Morse code then? Uh, that you can make really far contacts with five watts. Um. It's hard. Single sideband, um, even like with more watts than five, is hard for me. My antennas usually aren't great. Um, and then five is it's people think I'm loud. Some of the Hawaii stations were surprised I was QRP. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my favorite. It's just it's easy. It's loud. And then also pileups because you can hear like different stations. I don't know how that would be on voice. I, that must be confusing. Have you done much? Uh... A QRP sideband, or is it? Have you, did you when you went did HF? Did you just jump right into uh, CW? I just went right into CW, and then I tried sideband like two weekends ago, I guess a weekend yeah. ago. I don't yeah. remember. Um, there's the contest. <laughs> I'm not doing that anytime soon. I had to have so many repeats on my call sign and my number and everything for the two contacts that I made. So yeah, <laughs> well, it's hard. It yeah. was really hard. I, I imagine there it is even more so, yeah, because it's long distance, right? You, I mean, you, you're here in Arizona. You can at least reach California or, you know, the next state over. It's not that big a deal. But but for you, the next state over is like, I don't know, hundreds of miles, right? Thousands of miles. Thousands. Yeah. Okay. It's hard. Yeah. But when people get you, they're very happy because, yes, Hawaii. Yeah, I'm DX. You it's are. great. Yeah. <laughs> and then for that context, I was like, they care about the prefix. So AH7, no one had that. <laughs> so right. they, were, they were very happy for that. But right. like, I think that's the only reason they had the patience to work me. Yeah. Well, so sideband, I mean, I, I dabble in it too. I, and I started with it for a while, but I kind of get your, I get what you're talking about. It's more for me, Morris code. Um, it just feels more, I just feel more at home in it. It's probably because it's just, it's easier. I mean, you, it's harder because you have to learn the code, right? But once you get past that learning curve, and and but then then actually it's easier. 
And I got a cough yeah. here for it. Yeah, I don't so, know why I didn't get started in single sideband first. I just, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't that interesting. So I know a, a lot of people, you're you're a little unusual in the fact that you didn't start out on single sideband, that you jumped right into CW. So I've been single sideband on uh, soda for, forever. So, but uh, that's that's really good that you you went right for CW. And it definitely makes sense from, from Hawaii. So, yep. so Hamstick Eric says he got a Hawaii contact from Arizona a few weeks ago and it was a hundred milliwatt sideband. What? That sounds amazing. So that's cool. Now wondering about the antenna. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so we've got right about 10 minutes left. So let's uh, open it up to see if there's any questions from the chat room that you might have or comments. And then also, um, Heather, if there's anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with the crowd, then uh, please go for it and, and uh, let us know what else there is that's so awesome about you. <laughs> um, let's see, what's so awesome about me? Well, I have actually taken my radio when I travel. So when I went to New Mexico to visit my family, I have an aunt and uncle in New Mexico. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I climbed up their windmill and I, I hung a 20 meter dipole from that. Wait, what? Wait, the windmill? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, I wonder how that was. It was fine. And then um, that was actually like in July of last year. So I was amazed. I couldn't believe all the signals I could hear. That was the first time I managed a, a contact in the CWT. <laughs> awesome. So wait a minute, the CWT, how you participate in that quite a bit. Yeah, pretty much every week. Okay. So tell, so how's that go for you? How many contacts do you usually get? And uh, cause the CWT, first of all, for those of you who don't know, the CWT is a, just a short one hour time frame, and, and uh, people hop on there and do Morse code. But for the most part, you're working really fast the speeds are up 30 and 30 words per minute and higher and oftentimes you know in the 40s and higher so um <clears throat> and so i've i've done it i participated in, and i think the most contacts i've ever got was like 20 in one uh in one sitting but you know i don't know i mean that i, I usually don't get that i'm usually in the in the 10 to 15 range they're hard to get because i've got to listen to them over and over again so yeah. but for you in addition to that, you've got this distance problem. So how, how does it go for you? How, do, how does the CW work for you? Oh, pretty terrible. Um, so first of all, there's many times I set up and make zero contacts. Okay. And um, I'm very grateful when there's a couple of other CW ops guys that are in Hawaii. Very grateful when they're on the air because then I'm good. I can at least make a contact with them and they're always loud. I love that. And if they're not on the air, um, usually... It varies between like zero and six contacts that are not Hawaii on a given yeah. hour of CWT. It's worth it because these are all guys with like lots of watts and big antennas. They can work me. It's like this right. little condensed portion of time where I'm pretty sure I can find someone who can hear me. So that's why I chose it. It, it sounds strange. It's crazy. It's like you said, crazy high speeds. Why would I intentionally choose that? Because I make contacts yeah. there. It was well, it's great. Well, Heather, this is, you have three things. I mean, for most people are using are using at least a hundred watts. Most people are uh, usually a lot faster than me, and probably you. 
and most people have contacts that they can make that are close by. So you, you, you're a DX Hawaii, uh, you all, you do QRP only. And, uh, and I don't know what your speed is, but, uh, like you said, you said it's, it's pretty difficult as well. So, so wow, what a challenge. So I can understand why, you know, zero to six is what you get. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's good though. That's good that you're yeah, challenging. I'm fine with like it. That. I'm fine <laughs> with it. Like, I mean, generally, um, if they're loud enough and I like, I, if I, I try to work all the ones that are loud enough and I would say maybe half of them come back to me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't hear a whole lot of stations. My antennas are usually not great. They're, yeah. they're getting better, but they're usually not great. Yeah. So it's, I'm getting faster at like decoding them too. So I can catch them a lot faster right. <laughs> and then pounce on them and annoy them a bunch of times before they say SRI. And then uh, <laughs> else. I've got so many of those. <laughs> so let's see here. Let's look at the chat here. I wanted to um, recognize Jason Henry. The 2.0 is in in the house, and uh, he, if you don't know him, he's uh, he does has a great YouTube channel. In fact, he's go he goes live right after I do. So here in about uh, seven minutes, I head on over to his channel, and and I'm sure he has a great uh, show tonight. Um, the next thing was um, Ryan V. Very cool. I've only done CW on HF two, but an but I'm, I'm working on receive still. Yeah. It's, it's receive is stuff is, is tough for sure. I'm still working on receive, honestly. Everyone is. <clears throat> yeah. Everyone's always working on their antenna. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Hawaii. K H six W O I. I was on a Hawaii summit with a quarter wave vertical. This is the guy that he, the earlier said that he, uh, you know, it was a hundred milliwatt sideband. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I met him for the first time, uh, I guess, a week ago at the Hamfest. Oh, oh, you met him? Mm -hmm. Oh, very good. Cool. And then, uh, let's see. So, Ham Radio Tectonics. This is Bill, a good friend of mine. I actually, by the way, borrowed a paddle from him that I'm going to be reviewing shortly in the next month or so. As far as sideband, WH6L, I think, is always on Ole Miss. He must have a tall antenna. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know what Ole Miss is, but it's just another, it's, it's just a, gathering group of a whole bunch of people that just chat every is it every night dan do you know you much about yeah, pretty much so, yeah pretty much so every night on different bands so it's a great place to go uh work all states and things like that so it's a lot of fun yeah so anyway uh, he also has a great youtube channel uh, bill does ham radio tectonics check him out and uh so let's see uh, i think we about covered it i'm gonna go through my notes here and look dan if you have any other questions while i'm looking through my notes shh, fire away well, what, I I like the Elecraft radios as well, and I would imagine that you probably were a little frustrated since you had you ordered yours during the the pandemic and everything. But um, what what's your favorite thing about that particular radio? It's tiny, so it is it has traveled with me. It traveled with me to New Zealand also when I operated. Oh, there's a place vacation. I'd like to be. Yeah, so it, it's tiny and I can carry it and it's lightweight and it has the auto tuner in it. And yeah, it's just it's just a great radio. Yeah, I'm and, always amazed by the the receive quality of that radio is just phenomenal. Yeah, and I was warned. Everyone else I know who has an Elecraft is like, oh yeah, it takes forever to get stuff from them. It's always back ordered. It just always takes a while. And I'm like, okay. So I knew that going into when I ordered it, so it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Uh the the carries says it's it's a worked all states club, not really a chat club. So Ole Miss is is where you yep. it, they you get together and then they kind of 
work with you to make sure that you can you can achieve making contacts in different states and stuff. So I, that's that's what they are. So cool. I always get the person on the East Coast that's running like 100 milliwatts and wants to contact me in Arizona with my horrible <laughs> antenna. It can be a little frustrating sometimes, you know, yep. who you work and and whatnot, but it's a it's a great thing. So um, last question for you, Heather. What, where do you, well, it's two questions. What else do you want to achieve in ham radio? And where do you see yourself in ham radio in the next five to 10 years? Um, okay. Well, more summits. So for sure that. Okay. Uh, just because I like hiking so much. And I honestly have no idea. Um, no part of my journey as a ham has been very linear or, and I haven't done anything. I, was expecting like when I first started I thought I'd get into HF instantly and then it took forever and, and then I finally get into HF and I'm doing this weird hiking up summits and doing parks and stuff so I have no idea I don't know okay um well then let me do a follow-up question and, sit and ask you what advice do you have for people who are interested in doing portable ops uh getting out there and doing portable QRP do, do, uh, what kind of things have you learned some experiences that you've learned through you know, I, I know, for example, you have that antenna that fell off the cliff or almost did. You know, what are some of the things that you that you would offer as advice? Um, well, everyone warned me it would be frustrating and you'd have to have a lot of patience. And I'm not really known for having a lot of patience. Um, but I actually find like when I'm out in nature, like it's kind of calming and you just kind of have to approach it like it's fishing. Um, you know, sometimes you don't catch any fish. You have to be OK with that. If, if you're after making a lot of contacts, don't do QRP. <laughs> don't start like I did. If you're, <laughs> if you're just enjoying the journey and you just want to, you know, do whatever it is I'm doing, um, <laughs> that works out okay. Like if you have few expectations, if it's just part of the journey, it's, it's, it's been fine for me. Um, but I can see how this would be incredibly frustrating for others. Like I, I'm not, I would like to work all states and work all like the hundred countries or whatever, and I'll get there but I'm not like on fire to do it. So I'm just enjoying it. Cool. Well, I, I like your attitude. I think it's a great attitude to have. And I think that uh, people can learn from, from that attitude that, uh, you know, a lot of people are very purposeful in what they want to accomplish in ham radio. And some are like you that just are there to have fun. And, and really yeah. that's, that's the way to do it. Right. I think I have enough purpose in my job. So I want something that's kind of pointless in my hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so I also don't use a computer generally, uh, just I'm away from, or I'm near my computer all day long. I don't want to be near it. So <laughs> that's kind of what I do. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up then. Uh, I really appreciate you being here, Dan. Uh, let uh, go ahead and let you, uh, say a few words and then I will, and we'll let uh, Heather have the last word and close it out. Well, Heather, it's been a great show. Uh, I'm, Amazed at everything that you've accomplished, so it's uh, pretty fun. And uh, hopefully, I'll catch you with some CW at some point here in the near future. Yeah, I, it's more likely when I'm uh, traveling to the mainland this summer, <laughs> probably. So it'll be easier to make contacts with mainland people there. Yeah. Well, we'll look for you on the spotting networks then. Yeah, and Heather, it's been a great it's been a great pleasure. Again, I hope that uh, we we get get you in the log at some point too, one way or another. But you've been a great guest, and and it's uh, it's been fun. And so make sure you stick around after we end the show. But uh, give us uh, give us your last thoughts and departing words, and then we'll end it. Um, 
Let's see. I guess my last thoughts is usually when I tell my ham friends what I'm up to and when I tell my other friends, all sides think everything I'm doing is crazy pretty much. So uh, I'm not your typical anything. <laughs> so, like normal normal people in Hawaii don't operate like I do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Some, someone told me what I'm doing is the definition of insanity, but I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, all you who are watching later or uh, who are in the chat now and are watching now, really appreciate you joining us. And we will catch you in two weeks. Uh, we'll have another guest to talk about more portable ops. And so uh, I am signing off with everybody and we'll say 73 to you. Bye bye.